0: We run, we leap,
1: we stride and play, we wear our ultra shoes, but the things that last forever are our iTunes
0: reviews. Really? One star eel run? Camp N M A. we hold you in our souls, and when we think about you, it makes me want to roll. Like Rich. Now we will share a course of the smoothest miles ahead.
1: By the mountains of... (laughs) What are you guys doing in there?
0: (laughs) You don't like it? Uh, I'm not too sure. What are you doing? Alright. Okay. Alright, welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio, part five of Camp No Meat Athlete, summer running camp. Right. Uh, that song was was courtesy of mandy doug and i decided to sing it ourselves <laughs> i apologize for that and uh that fun fact that was not our first duet together doug. we've done a couple a couple <laughs> karaoke <laughs> yeah, spells
1: we at the runners world events, yeah there's...
0: twice yeah karaoke night gets rowdy at the the comfort suites or whatever it is uh-huh and uh and we we are a big part of that and you know that's probably not the first time we've gotten cut off (laughs) no no, it's not we i we did a a uh, green day one i guess and then i don't know what our other one was was, i think the
1: other one was maybe like taylor swift or something yeah Yeah. and that that kind of turned disastrous i think yeah lots of things went went bad that night but that's
0: that's a different story so anyway thank you mandy for writing that nice song we also have one from Rebecca and Juan, that we will play in the outro. Uh, they they missed the memo that it was supposed to be salute of shorts themed, but still some nice little music. So we're gonna we're gonna put that on the outro of, to send off Running Camp into the great beyond. That's right. So today, what we are talking about is uh, race day, right? We've, we've talked about the training, we've talked about the the kind of how do you first how do you build the consistency, then the running form, then with Jason last time about uh, advanced marathon training basically uh, a little bit about race day there but today we're really focusing just on race day and we're kind of operating under the assumption that you're talking about a marathon a half marathon it would also apply to uh, and a lot of this will apply to a 5k but you know some of the stuff like what do you eat in the week leading up to the race i don't know that for most 5k runners that's really going to be a big consideration uh so you could ignore it as needed but uh let's just let's just dive in doug do we have any any announcements or anything today it seems like a quick a quick. a getting in i guess i guess our song kind of yeah, yeah. handled the intro yeah i think uh, i think we're good all right let's do it uh so i guess that i guess before we actually get to race day we're, we're you gotta think about what's going on leading up to the race and we've talked a little bit about tapering already so we don't need to cover again how do you taper how do you yeah you know, and whatever training program you're following is going to have a taper period in there anyway that basically tells you what mileage you you should more or less stop running as the race approaches uh but there's other stuff to think about one of which is shoes with with marathon training. I remember for my first few marathons, this was a big uh, concern of mine. Actually, my first marathon, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I wore red Saucony shoes or something that I got at Kmart or something to the to the marathon. Just didn't know anything about what I was doing. I don't know if I've said this before on on the running camp, but I I showed up and bought running shorts at the expo because I had never had them. Didn't even realize like that you needed them that that would help. I was just running in gym shorts and and boxers and like like, that. like
1: uh, basketball shorts. Yeah. So what what made you decide you needed running shorts at the
0: <laughs> I think I found out that they existed, and I was like, "Hey, that probably helps." <laughs> uh, I don't remember having any real problems leading up to that, but I I got them, and now
1: it, I kind of wish you would have because you started in the like the head crowd, like crowd one. Yep. I kind of wish you would have been in like long basketball.
0: Well, sports. we weren't far from it. My friend had a shirt; it was like a Heineken uh, logo shirt, but it said "Hungover" instead of Heineken. <laughs> 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 I mean, we just we just didn't belong there at all. <laughs> oh, so anyway. Nice. Um, but, but shoes after that race, once I started to get a little bit more serious about it, shoes was like a big stressor for me. And I was thinking, like, do I need to get brand new shoes before this race? Uh, or is that going to be a problem? Because then there'll be brand new shoes. So I think it's something to think about. If you've got it in your budget and, and you know, if you're spending the money on a marathon, often it's it's worth it to just give yourself every chance of things going well. Uh, I would get new shoes, I don't know, two or three weeks before the race begins. Maybe do them do your taper period in your new shoes. Uh, get some miles in there i've heard some things like so that the first i think it's in the first 50 miles or so a pair of shoes will lose something like half of their cushioning ability Mm. uh so for that reason you don't want to make them too new i mean or make them make you don't want to run in them too much you don't want to break them in too much uh at the same time you, you it's not a good thing to run a marathon i don't think in in really beat up shoes if you haven't I guess it's tricky. I mean, it, certainly there are people who do it barefoot, right? Or who do it in, in <laughs> five fingers. And they, they've they trained themselves to do that, and they're used to it. I've had situations, one particular situation, where I got a small stress fracture in the top of my foot. And I think partly that was because I was running in old shoes. Right. So I guess maybe the, the second half of my training somewhat prepared me to do that, but obviously not enough, or obviously not for the intensity of race day, or who knows what. But I ended up having a, a sort of metatarsal stress fracture type thing, uh, even without the you know the barefoot shoes that typically cause that.
1: Yeah, and and we should we're not talking exclusively about getting like a different type of shoe. So even if it's a the exact same shoe that you've been training in, if it's a new version of that, you still want to break it in.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, it should be that I would I would not go, not recommend changing your shoes during right. period. Get the same pair assuming you like them. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, but just get them broken in.
1: Get them broken in. And and you can do that through shorter runs. You don't have to take them on a on a long run, but making sure that you're yeah. You're getting them getting at least, you know, a few short runs. Yeah,
0: you don't want surprise blisters or anything. Right, uh, and obviously this is this is optional, right? I mean, if if you're just if you want to get your marathon done and you don't want to spend a lot of money on it, you don't need to buy a brand new pair of shoes. But I remember when I was trading to BQ, it was like a big deal for me that I had everything perfect, and that was that was one of the considerations. So mm-hmm. something to think about. Um, and then once you get to the the week of the race, uh, fueling. I think people people wonder about. I know the Nomad Athlete blog gets a lot of searches about what do you eat in the week before a race. So people obviously care about it, and. I've I've never really seen like a good consensus about what you should do. I've heard different things. I've heard some people say because this is not from coaches, this is just sort of people anecdotal things that runners do. Because they are running less during this taper period, they tend to try to eat a little bit less so that they don't put on extra pounds. Uh, if you're prone to putting on pounds, then maybe that makes sense because you certainly don't want extra unnecessary pounds, right? I and mean, that will that will slow you down if you have five pounds more on you for race day. Uh, but what i've heard from people who are probably more informed than that and maybe people who are also used to dealing with more serious athletes who maybe aren't quite as likely to put on weight just because they start running a little bit less um is to eat a little bit more start start you know having a, a second helping maybe increasing your ta- calories i haven't seen this number anywhere but maybe by by 10 15% mm-hmm. just eating a little bit more to kind of I guess begin topping off the tape, off the tank, uh, or or making sure that your body, any sort of recovery thing that's happening, that it has exactly what it needs to do that. So that that's typically the strategy that I've always followed: is just eat a little bit more, not ever to the point of discomfort, but just be willing to eat a little bit more. I don't know. Is that is that what you do?
1: Yeah, that's a similar approach to what I take. You know, the other consideration that I do is, you know, just try to the week of try to make sure I'm eating pretty clean, pretty healthy. not eating anything that I think will upset my stomach, you know, because you don't want to have, you know, a couple of days of, of some sort of upset stomach, you know, leading up to to the race. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then just eating, you know, making sure that I'm getting in enough.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think probably the consideration of making sure you're not eating something that could potentially be disastrous uh, is the more important one there, right? Like if you just kept right. eating the exact same way as you normally did and didn't, didn't change anything – that would be better than than you know getting everything right, but also just eating Thai food every night or every day for the whole week. I mean, you just don't want to do anything that's sort of. I wouldn't do anything really high in in fat or oils, unless that's like part of your general nutrition strategy anyway. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't go with anything that's too fatty uh, or or giant portions of anything. Uh, just just for that reason, you don't want to you don't want to find yourself dehydrated because you you were in the bathroom in the three days leading up to the race. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, good. So, I mean, I think that's that's probably enough. That's about the extent to which I really think about that. Um, then we've got to think about. I mean, other than that, like, there's not that much else in the days before the race. Pretty much after that, it's just. I mean, there's the day, but the very day before the race, when you got to be thinking about carbo loading and stuff like that. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess there's there's there are more considerations for marathons, especially especially if you're traveling somewhere. Yeah. Uh, like getting your gear in order.
1: Right. I mean, you know, I think the big ones are are trying to. Take care of yourself that week and rest. Make sure you're getting lots of sleep. Um, you know, obviously, and you know, they say that before a race, the two nights before is more important than the night, or is is, is the one you need to focus on more than the night before because you're going to be you're going to be excited and nervous, and you're going to probably have to wake up really early the night be, or you know the day of the race. So that two nights before and three nights before is really kind of um, when you want to make sure you're getting lots of sleep. Yeah, this is a good.
0: Sorry to interrupt. This is a good time to mention uh, what I think we've mentioned before that Mike Arnstein talks about. He for him, it's he says, and he's talking about races where he's going to be out there for 14, 15 hours, not not a marathon.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he says that what he the sleep he gets the night before the race for him is is what really matters. But again, that's that's could be because you don't sleep the next night in a, in an ultra, right? I mean, depending on how fast you're doing it, oh, what yeah. time it starts. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a different story. But he goes to the extent of. Uh, aside from all these other crazy sleep things he does like sleeping in his attic with the hat on and a blindfold on and stuff (laughs) he uh he tries to i guess acclimate himself to the wake up and go to bedtime Mm. so in the weeks before the race he will go to if he needs to get up at 4 a.m he'll start going to bed at whatever 8 p.m so that when it comes time for actual race day and he's got to do the same situation he'll actually be tired and, and in the pattern of falling asleep at 8 p.m. Right. Uh, I don't, again, know that anyone needs to go to that extent if you're just sort of a recreational runner, but uh, just throwing it out there is something that that people do.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So that's sleep. Um, then we've got the day before the race. And I guess it doesn't really matter whether you've traveled or whether you're at home. If you're at home, it's obviously easier because you can you can eat some of your own stuff and be more in control of exactly what you're eating. Um, so I, uh, carbo-loading is interesting. People get obsessed about it. They want to talk about carbo-loading all the time the The pre race pasta party thing the night before is, I think, way overdone, and and potentially does some of the things that we mentioned we don't want. Right? Like if you get a really greasy sauce and it's some new thing that the that you've never had before from a new kitchen at a new place, right? You know, you're just asking for for trouble. I think, and you're also asking for trouble if it's seven p.m. and you're just eating this massive meal, and your plan involves you falling asleep at nine p.m. Right? It's just it's just not a good idea. So, uh the The typical advice that I like to give and that I've read before is just earlier in the day. You can still do that pasta loading meal, but do it or carb loading meal, carb loading pasta meal if you want. Uh, just do that earlier in the day, like like a late lunch or something, two three p.m. Maybe and then for dinner, you know, some some bread and salad. If you're that's a, that's an easy one, even if you're traveling. Uh, just just like get those carbohydrates and still from the bread, but something nice and mild and, and easy that's not going to keep you up or cause trouble. I think that's a pretty good way to do the do the carbo loading uh, as far as the the meals go but, but there's also like as Jason Fitzgerald kind of turned me on to the idea that most marathoners are really don't have an adequate amount of carbohydrate as much as we all focus on carbo loading when it comes time for the marathon, most people don't have what they should in terms of glycogen reserves. So the way that that Jason and others recommend keeping those keeping that tank topped off, I guess, is in the day before, maybe even two days before, start just taking in more even sugar, like just just have sports drink with your meals or mm-hmm. sip on fruit juice. And again, nothing that's too crazy that's going to set up set you up for for a, a stomach issue or something. But if it means just drinking Gatorade throughout the day or with your meals, like I think that's that's probably a smart idea, especially the day before, maybe even two days before, just to start getting that little bit of extra in there.
1: Yeah, completely agree. The juice and, and sports drink, you know, really. A good thing to do, you know, well before the race, you know, 24 hours before start taking that in.
0: Yeah. Um, Race day morning is, is, I don't want to say it's too late to help you with your race, but a lot of the foods that people eat on race day morning thinking that it's going to help them with their race actually doesn't really end up getting into your system because a lot of foods will take many hours to get to a, a usable state in your system. So, you know, the, the big stuff like whole wheat bagels or or even some of the pancakes, like some of that stuff I just think is is not – it's going to sit in your stomach for sure and feel like you're full, but it's not really going to be useful as energy during a race. So uh, I've I've come a long way in my morning fueling strategy in terms of, first of all, not stressing quite as much about it because it used to be that I would wake up at, at 6 a.m. and have this schedule that I had to follow, and it was like get this many oranges at this time and then this and this and this. I just found that if I take it easier and I'm just not – not stressed about it, uh, the result is often that I end up feeling better during the race, partially because I'm not stressed and there's enough race day morning stress anyway, mm-hmm. but also because my stomach isn't full of all this stuff in a way that it typically isn't before a long run. Right. So I don't think that's a good thing. You don't want to have to go to the bathroom like two miles into your race, which happens all the time if you're really focused on fueling and drinking before the race. It just mm-hmm. You end up in this uncomfortable position a few miles into the race. So um, yeah, I mean
1: I think the, the best thing you can do race morning and I do want to go back to race night just briefly but yeah. um, but for race morning nutrition wise is to do what you've been doing during training right if you wake up normally an hour and a half before and have a piece of toast and some coffee then that's what you should have uh, on race morning right? Wh- whatever is going to feel the best in your stomach whatever you know your body can, can handle and is not going to make you have to go to the bathroom um, you know, I mean I think that's what you should stick to because like you said you know, taking in all these extra carbs and everything, race morning is probably not going to do much for you.
0: Yeah, I mean it depends. It, look, if you're doing it smart and you're taking in fruit juice or or dates, which gets in your system really fast, that stuff can can be good for you. And I'm absolutely not recommending that you don't eat before the race. I mean, of course yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but do it right. Stick to the sugars. Stick to fruit juices or fruits. Just but but things that are that are not in that easily absorbable form, uh, they're just not going to help you very much. So I I would skip them. Uh, before you go back, Doug, to the night before the race, I want to go back to something you just said, uh, which is sticking to what you're used to. Like that's something we didn't mention, but during that taper period, and ideally even before that, you should have already honed in and said, "This is my fueling strategy that I'm going to." Like you should have that lined up before before you even begin tapering. You should know from having tested it in your long runs what works best for you. And I wouldn't really suggest. You know, having changes in mind, like like being a week out from your race and thinking, "Hey, I'm I really I'm going to try to focus on this little different thing on race day morning." Like, just stick to what you know has worked, uh, even if you're not totally satisfied with it. I just wouldn't experiment with new stuff on race day, which is repeated over and over, but it, it absolutely is is true uh and then you mentioned coffee caffeine like that's that's a whole other thing certainly that stuff can help with race performance it has been shown to you know help you by i don't know if it's a few percentage points or what but it can imp- increase your endurance for sure improve your marathon time as a result uh but if you're already taking in caffeine routinely like if you drink it every morning then it's not really going to help you very much because it's not a difference from from what your body's
1: used to but i wouldn't avoid it for that reason
0: Right, no, right, if yeah. you're used to drinking it, yeah. keep doing it. But I wouldn't think this is now a performance oh, boost. Right. You know, just yeah. just do what is normal. Um if if what is normal for you is not drinking caffeine usually, but drinking it before your long runs, then that's then that works, right? Because then, sure. then you're using yeah. it in the way it's mm-hmm. meant to be used. I don't personally like that. Like I just think caffeine is kind of something I don't want in my system during a marathon. It just I don't know. It scares me a little bit those those finish line deaths and all that which caffeine was sort of
1: implicated in, but not really. So am I'm, I'm all about it. You're all about the caffeine. All about the caffeinated gels and can the caffeine. Can you guarantee
0: non death for our listeners if they drink caffeine?
1: I cannot do that. I can't <laughs> guarantee anything. But uh, I'm just saying I, I do caffeine and I do caffeine on certainly throughout ultra marathons and stuff like that too. Yes.
0: As many, many ultra runners do. I didn't start I I was like super against it and then I got into ultra running and then realized that everyone just drinks coffee <laughs> and <just> pounds <laughs> it before the run. So uh-huh. um Okay, so that's that. Now go back now to uh, what you said night before. Do yeah. You, well, s- I just
1: wanted to briefly talk about um, night before organization. And I think this is so important for any race is because race morning is going to come early, and you're going to be nervous and stressed and a little bit anxious, and everything you can have laid out and everything you can have prepared and and organized the night before. So if you have like a gear check bag that you're going to you know check at the at the start or Um, you know, your outfit, I'll I'll go ahead and pin your bib number on there if you have it. Um, you know, everything that you can do to organize your water bottles and everything else beforehand will save you a lot of stress on race morning. And, And that was something that it took me a while to figure out because, you know, with 5Ks and things like that, or maybe you're registering there, um, or, you know, checking in race morning, you know, you don't, you don't do all these things ahead of time, but that had, that helped me out a lot once I figured uh, out, you know, that I should really be laying everything out the night before.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely a good tip. Um I've I've seen lots of people who panic because they can't find enough safety pins on race day morning yeah. and you know you would you would encounter that issue the night before if you if you would deal with it then or you uh, forgot your
1: socks or you forgot your right. your body glide yeah. or whatever it yeah. is. And know.
0: it just that stuff just takes a long time. Like when you wake up and you think you've got an hour do you have to leave the hotel room or your house or whatever to get to the race it just fills up with stuff that that you need to do on race day morning. So the, the less you've got to deal with, the better. Uh, so definitely a good tip there. Even if it means staying up a little bit later, Get just get everything done so you can probably sleep a little bit better as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we've got fueling. We didn't really talk about specifics of how to do it other than, I guess we spoke generally about how to do it in terms of what types of foods you should be eating. Uh, you can find all kinds of specifics. There's stuff on Nomi Athlete about how to fuel before a race or a long run. But I don't think we want to go into that here. The The most... I guess the, the general rule that I typically follow is as four to one carbohydrate to pro, protein ratio in terms of grams. That's not exactly the thing. Like there's there's three to one, there's five to one. These things are useful for different times. But as I've gotten, you know, as my priorities have sort of changed from absolute optimal performance to just sort of taking things easy and, and being simple, uh, four to one is is a kind of does a good job. Make sure you get some protein, mostly carbs, and that's what you focus on. Water, of course, but not to the point that you're gonna be having to pee right
1: away. Do you know what the carb to protein ratio is of the sports drink that was just posted on No Meat Athlete today?
0: <laughs> I I don't, but we when we developed that we did uh, we did check those things out. So I don't know off the top of hand, but I don't know if it, we meant it. I think we probably stuck it around four to one. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But I'm not. No, actually, that's I think that's more like a Gatorade, right? So that that's not a not a food. I don't know. Like like these these advanced sports drinks have protein in them. That that's more like a gator that is just a carbohydrate placing thing. I don't, right. I don't think there's the almost any protein. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good good uh, good sidebar
1: there, Doug. Little plug for the yes for the new switchel. That's right. How do you pronounce it? It is switchel good. recipe. It, it is it is delicious.
0: Okay. Uh, so we've got. Well, that's it. Now now you're now you're in the starting corral, right? In I mean, there's, the starting there's, there's there's so much more you can do. Right? There's there's this, <laughs> There's the porta pot stuff. There's the bringing of your own well, toilet let's paper. Let's talk about the porta
1: pots real quick because I think <laughs> that that's important. And if you've never run a marathon before and you you show up and there's there's you know fifty porta pots out there, but the lines are massive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what do you do? <laughs> you got you yes. got a half an hour before the race, right? What and do don't do? think
0: that that it doesn't apply to you. You're not going to have to use it because you will have to use it. It just it's just inevitable. You, like mm-hmm. the, I don't know what it is about race day morning, but you will have to go to the bathroom probably number two really quick and just get it done. Uh, yeah, you gotta wait in line, which often means stress because then you don't know if you're gonna get done in time to get to your mm-hmm. to, to your spot. Uh, so of course, getting there early is a good thing. I've known people to bring garbage bags and they use those as a as a impromptu kind of on the go personal porta pot if they mm-hmm. really need to, uh, which is gross, but they do it. And if you bring your own toilet paper, then then you're kind of equipped to do that. Then you just step out of the bag, tie off a knot, and put it put it in the trash <laughs> like it's a like a dog into the bathroom. Yep. Um, yeah i mean i don't know i don't know how any other how to not be grossed out at the port-a-pot have a hand sanitizer thing with you yeah
1: I, you know i guess i guess my my tip is that um you're probably gonna have to do it go ahead and get in the line early <laughs> you know and and wait and don't don't panic Just because wait. everyone else is going Just to keep
0: letting people in front of you until you have no. to go <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> no like like you know when you get there don't don't try to wait until the last minute right um yeah, you know, go ahead and get in the line. Don't panic, you know, because as as it gets closer to the race start, people start just like abandoning it and leaving. And I think that there are probably very few times when people actually miss the start of a race because they're in the porta pot line. Yes, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, I, that's right. the way it seems. I've to never seem.
0: actually missed it because of that. No, but but I've, I've still had a and... rush to get to get to the yeah. corrals.
1: And then, all right, so all right, so then the other thing, uh, not in bathroom related, is. Like if it's a cold weather or a cold morning, what do you do after you get there? You have your running clothes, but you don't wanna, you don't wanna stand in the cold for a really long time, right? So what do you what do you what,
0: what do you do? We wear you wear well, extra you wear throwaway stuff, throwaway right? stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But some people don't know that. Oh, okay, yes, good. I thought you were okay. <laughs> so you are setting me up for an easy. I was setting up answer. for a softball gotcha. question. Yeah, I thought you were just asking and didn't, didn't know what to do. No, no. no. Uh, yeah. So so bring. Bring some old clothes, and many races will have boxes within the first few miles where you can toss these things aside, and they'll be donated to a good cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've, if, I guess, if this is your first race, then you won't have run a lot of races before. But if you've run a few half marathons and 5Ks, you've probably accumulated some some junk that you can you can get rid of, and nobody will really mind.
1: Yeah, or just hit the you know thrift store, get a one dollar long shirt, long sleeve shirt, and you know
0: wear yep. that. Yep. And of course you can give something that you don't want to throw away to a to a family member or friend if you're going to see them on the course, but if you don't see them on the course, which sometimes happens, uh you got to you got to get rid of it somehow.
1: So or you don't want to tie it around your waist, right? Yeah, no, you don't want to tie it around your waist. You we're
0: know. into 80s theme stuff. But we're not into that and like uh what are those little packs? Oh, fanny packs. Fanny packs. <laughs> yeah, don't do fanny packs.
1: Well, if you got a thin enough shirt, you could <laughs> stuff it in your fanny pack. Uh, yeah. or or you could have you seen those um those new suits or I guess they're probably not new, but that they sell at expos that look like kind of spacesuits or something <laughs> they're no. like full body one piece suits that are designed to be thrown away no uh, but they look like spacesuits. wow yeah. and they're cheap i guess
0: disposable yeah i think price. i think
1: they're basically like a marathon emergency blanket thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. that they give you at the finish line but they're like one piece nice. suits that's cool with a zipper up in the middle i like that yeah <laughs> all right um
0: So yeah, I think some of this stuff is going to sound unnecessary to people. Like, why are we going into these details? But if you haven't run a marathon before, and just from having heard this, from having being from being aware that there's a potential issue with with porta pots on race day morning, you you will be better prepared for that. So you know whatever it is that you actually decide to do, the very knowledge that this is some this is a thing that needs to be handled will help you be a little bit more prepared for that race and not caught off guard. So you are welcome for that. (laughs) Okay uh what else we've got there's gear check type stuff i don't typically do gear check i don't know why i've always had supporters i guess at races but if you're not so lucky to have someone there with you then uh you know you you can you'll, you'll do this the night before as well you'll get up some sort of label or something for your bag if the race is doing that and it'll stick onto your bag and then you can drip, drop that in the gear check area and it will be there for you at the finish line to pick up because mm-hmm. they'll they'll drive it um
1: I, I mean is there anything else before before we before the gun goes off Doug? any other tips you know i don't think so i think just uh you know get in the appropriate corral get in there it's gonna start moving people are gonna start
0: walking and you're gonna think it's time to go people are gonna yeah. start to light jog and then not to stop again So yeah. just don't get just just keep your emotions in check which kind of is my beginning of race strategy uh which is that that gun's gonna go off people are gonna go too fast out there everybody's gonna go faster than they should for that first mile and but that's where all the like crowd is, and you gotta impress the crowd, right? I think, yeah. I mean, I've I've done it. I've tried to do that before. That's always been my approach. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what it's all about. It's impressing the crowd. Yeah. Because uh, ultimately, what matters is not your time or anything. It's just how much you've you impressed the people around you at that starting crowd that's who right. you'll never see again. Yep. Um, so everyone's gonna go out fast. I mean, it just it just happens. I would imagine that the majority of of marath- I guess it depends what corral you're in, but I think the majority of people around you is probably their first marathon. Safe assumption. Unless you, unless you're way up in front, uh, just because I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I figured most people probably do one marathon and never do another one, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a lot of repeat Yeah, I, don't know. I wonder what the stats are. <laughs> that. I don't know so, if that's true. Who knows? But anyway, people will will go too fast, even if they are seasoned marathoners, and that makes it very, very tempting for you to go fast. Not so much to impress people around you, but just to avoid looking dumb. Like I don't want to feel like everyone feels bad for me because I'm slow and they're all passing me and I just look like an idiot going slow. But and I mean, and I don't even expect people to listen to this because it's just so hard to not do it, but you got to go slow in the beginning. Just, I mean, just know what your pace is and go out at that pace and, and try not to get caught in the crowd and then realize that you finished your first mile a minute too fast. Cause that will come back and get you, right? If, if we're talking about oh, yeah. sticking to, I don't know, a nine minute pace for your marathon. If you do eight minutes for the first mile, you're going to lose more than that in the, in the last miles. I promise. So you want to stick right on that pace which is not new. I mean, everyone talks about that. It's very hard to actually follow it. And I think, it, to some extent, it takes actually having having something bad happen, going out too fast, uh, and then just completely crashing and feeling awful at mile 18 or 17. Uh, and once you do that, then, then you kind of learn your lesson for a while. But similarly, you know, on a similar note, you can, so I've done this before, you can go out at the correct pace, but if in your head you can't relax and you're just, you're just, all excited about being there running your marathon you're checking in you're you're looking at your watch you're looking for fans you're you know your heart's racing just because you're so excited that's that's a bad thing and i in my bq journey i once uh, in the baltimore marathon took off right on bq pace and thought i was gonna do it. it was sticking with the pace group it felt wonderful i was so happy i was like in my head coming up with like the lines i was gonna say to people like about how this mile went and it was just like i just was totally in my head this chatter the entire time and mile 16 or something came and i had to take a had to go to the bathroom and like the pace group had obviously kept going and i just thought i'd catch back up and i realized when i when i stepped out of that port potty that i i don't know i was only 30 or 40 seconds behind but it just was like i realized i was not going to catch them like i suddenly everything collapsed when i stopped running hmm. and you know who knows maybe it was the wrong page for me it probably was to some extent but the lasting memory of that for me was that My, you know, I just, I just expended so much energy in my head talking, just being so excited about running that race and the time I was going to run and all that stuff that ever since then, my, my strategy has been think of anything, but that just like, think about focus on your breathing, look at the surroundings and just be as peaceful and relaxed as possible. And when I did finally succeed, that's exactly what I did. It was just, just kind of, you know, being meditative almost just not letting your emotions get crazy. Maybe there's a time and place for that, like, like the sprint at the end or, or, You're not sprinting, honestly, by the time you get to the end of a marathon, but the push to the finish line when you're at mile 25 or something like that, you know, then's the time to to feel that way if you've still got that in you. Yeah. Because you can, you can afford to expend everything you've got left in, but in the beginning of the race, just as much as you shouldn't push it physically beyond what the plan is, you should do the same thing mentally. You shouldn't, shouldn't let yourself get too emotionally into it.
1: I like that. That's a really good tip. Good. Thank you, Doug. Um, so you brought up pace groups. What do you think of pace groups?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I think they're good if you uh, if you can trust them to to run an even pace, but you can't always,
1: right? No, I've heard too many horror stories of people who stuck with a pace group, you know, trying to hit a goal or a BQ or something like that, and then the pace group finished two minutes late, and (laughs) they're like. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right. Like, if it, if the pace group does the right thing, like, if you could, if it was like the Olympics when you got that world record line, like, if you could have a nice evenly paced line going right. along the race the entire, mm-hmm. they don't do it in running, it's in the pool, of course, but <laughs> if you had a nice line that you knew was going exactly the pace, or even better, exactly the intensity, because if it was just the exact pace, then you'd been going too fast on the uphills and too slow on the downhills, right. yep. uh, which we can talk about in a minute, but, Yeah. If you could follow a line that was going like that, then that'd be wonderful. It'd be great. And you should probably stay right with it. Maybe you have some own natural ups and downs when you need to vary a little bit from that speed. But I think for the most part, you should try to run at a constant pace. And if your pace group can do that, then that's wonderful. Uh, I guess you just need to kind of maybe be accountable yourself and make sure that that the miles that splits that they're hitting are exactly what you should be running. Right. And maybe you need to use that pace group as a, you know, initial starting thing or like as a kind of guideline but you've got to really be maybe realize okay i need to get a minute ahead of this pace group and kind of stay there maybe you can use them in that way you can also stay a minute ahead of them
1: yeah that's kind of my approach to pace groups and and what i encourage other people to do is is they're definitely useful especially at the beginning to keep you from going out too fast because for the most part the pacer will you know make sure that that's not happening um and you know, at a lot of, at bigger marathons anyway, they're, they're maybe in 10 minute increments or or 15 minute increments, something like that. Mm -hmm. So for the first few miles, they're going to be right near each other. Um, and, uh, you can kind of stay in between, use that as a gauge to make sure you're not going too fast, make sure you're not going too slow. Um, but relying on them, completely for to hit your goal i think is is sometimes a mistake you know but of course a lot of people do it and a lot of people like the camaraderie of their pace group and chatting with other people they're running with yep um who are going after that same goal so you know if that's what you want then there's certainly nothing wrong with that but i would just be a little bit skeptical that it, it will actually hit you right at the the time that it says
0: yeah i have a friend who uh, really really good runner uh, who knows if he's listening to this or not but uh he was a pacer for, to... for no i'm not gonna mention okay things. uh he was a pacer of a, i think a three hour group and to, to run to be the pacer of a race group you typically have to have run a marathon i don't know 10 20 minutes faster than that so i mean certainly he was capable of running whatever time he. maybe it was a 330 group so he was capable of doing it but the day of the race he decided he was going to go first run the course backwards not not backwards but start at the finish line uh-huh. run run forwards from the finish line to the start line and make it a fifty-two mile day, so he did that. <laughs> and then I don't know what, at what point, but at some point he had to go sit down and couldn't lead his group. He because he couldn't couldn't keep up the pace at the end of the thing.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: So you know, and like fairly level-headed kids. So I'm you know just a warning that that stuff like that happens. You don't know what your pacer has done the night before or that morning. Yeah. Uh, so you don't put too much stock in them, but they can be a useful guidelines, and maybe you can figure out pretty early how how well they are going to stick to that pace. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than crashing and then watching the pace groups pass you. Oh, there's nothing worse.
1: That is the worst (laughs) feeling in the world. To like, if you're following, say a, you know, a four-hour group, and then you you start falling behind, and then the four ten group passes you. It's like and what and what has
0: happened to me before is when you go out to when it happens because you went out too fast, you start to see the group ahead of them. And right. you're like, ooh, I'm going to run with that 350 yeah, group. And yeah. I'm, I'm putting some time into that 350 group. Uh-huh. And then they start pulling away. And then, you know, mile 19, your group goes by you that you were supposed to be with. And then soon it's three or four groups and you're at 425. And it's just it's just a deflating, terrible feeling. I have done that. I yep, have done probably that several has. times.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's pace groups. Um, okay. So assuming you're not running with one or if you are and you, you want to be really smart about it. Uh, Jason and I talked about this in part four of running camp, but just in case you didn't listen to this or listen to that one, uh, the, the strategy that, that I like is, I mean, first of all, you want to keep an even pace. That that's the, I guess, basic level. If you want to get a little bit more, a little bit more technical, um, or a little bit more advanced, I guess it's your intensity that you actually want to keep the same, right? So you could, you could go out at nine minute miles and say, I'm just going to run nine minute miles the whole time and make sure every mile that I clock is exactly nine minutes or as close as possible. The problem with that strategy, though, is as I mentioned before, when you hit the mile that's the big uphill in the race, if you keep that nine-minute pace, even if you are able to keep that pace, you're just exerting way too much energy. Then that, that that is, it feels as if you've run a flat mile at, you know, eight minutes per mile, or who knows what. So if, it's it's as if you've just done a little mini interval in your marathon if you allow yourself to run harder. Similarly, right. if you run that same pace on a on a downhill keep that nine minute pace going on a downhill instead of speeding up to maybe the eight minutes that it would have allowed you to do at the same intensity, uh, you've, you've taken too much of a break, right? You've, you've basically put a little mini interval work, workout and then rest into your marathon mm-hmm. on the uphill and the downhill. Mm-hmm. So better than that is to maintain even intensity. So if you're wearing a heart rate monitor or have some other way of, of knowing, just some sort of feedback mechanism that tells you how fast you're moving, or sorry, not not how fast, but how what your intensity is, uh, that's what you want to keep even. So you'd want your heart rate to, to stay even on that uphill and downhill, and that's how you pace with with intensity. And then in that way, you're giving your your body this nice smooth path to run, rather than putting ups and downs in the middle of it. Right. Uh, so that's that's the, re- the it, method. It, it takes I recommend. some of the
1: pressure off the hills and that kind of stuff too. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And and it's not an easy thing to do. Like if you don't have a heart rate monitor, then you're not going to know what's the same. what's right. The same intensity or how much you should slow down on this hill, and how much is okay. Uh, but, but that's, that's basically what I try to do. And what Most people try to do when they, when they pace a marathon.
1: That's one, one thing I really like about, um, have you seen those, um, bracelets that, uh, have like your splits on them, what yes. you should have. Yep. Uh, and you, lots of times they're free at marathons. So if, if you're going for a three thirty marathon, then they would have all the splits that you need at, at every mile marker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one thing I, I like about that is that you can, Use that as a reference to see if you're a little bit ahead of pace or a little bit behind at different intervals. And I think that every mile is probably too much to to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, if you're hitting the, you know, the ten k mark or the half marathon mark, and you realize that you're, um, you know, you're way ahead of pace or you're you're several minutes behind, then, uh, you know, then that can kind of help you gauge that effort level. Um, yeah, and, and
0: I I think it goes back to what I said about not expending too much mental energy. If if you just don't have to do that math in your head and you can right. just have a bracelet to to look at and maybe like you said not every mile but every every two three miles, mm-hmm. uh, you've saved a lot of energy and that that's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, and so why not every mile is, is you know is for the same reasons that you know paying paying attention to the pace because uh, one mile might be a lot harder than the next mile and that kind of thing. But, right. Um, but that will even out or hopefully even out over the course of a few miles.
0: Good. And if they don't have those bracelets, you could always write it on your arm in a permanent marker.
1: Yeah, that's right. The day before the race, sharpie up your arm. Yeah, but make sure it's a sharpie. I've done that too for ahead of ultra marathons.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And if you write your name on your arm, people will yell it when you go by, which is nice. Or on your forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so you are running according to your pace now. Everything's going well. Um, we haven't really talked about fueling during the race. And again, I don't want to get into too many details of how to do that. Cause there are all different kinds of strategies and you can find them online. Uh, but really you should have done it yourself and you should know what strategy you were following. Um, so what is there to, what's there to think about Doug? We've got, of course the mid race slump that sometimes hits right. Or the wall. Cause even if, even if you're, even if things are going well and you've paced your marathon correctly, when you hit miles, you know, not exactly mile 20, but but could be 18 could be 22. You hit this point when, when, even if you're fueling correctly, it seems that your body is beginning to kind of run low on on glycogen because it's hard to keep that keep those levels up because you, you're using that carbohydrate up. Assuming you're not like some great runner who's burning all fat for fuel. Yep. Uh, so that's starting to run out. The pounding is starting to get to your feet. Legs are starting to hurt. Just things are are starting to go, and you realize you still have a long way left to finish. Yeah. So it's not you know not not that the wheels are falling off yet, but it's just kind of getting there, and you're, you're the slump sort of begins. So what what uh what do you have at that point Doug? what do you do
1: i the first thing i do is understand that it's coming and prepare myself mentally for it to come mm-hmm. like and, the porta pots like issue. the porta Yep, pots Yep, yeah, exactly be ready uh you know so so that i'm not totally taken by surprise with it i'm not um completely discouraged you know because most people will hit it you're almost guaranteed to hit it at some point uh so you can't just like oh i'm gonna hit it again and you know i'm gonna fail again um uh, and then, you know, and then I try to refocus things a little bit. Maybe if I was chatty before or if I was kind of, you know, looking at the trees or something before, I start refocusing, thinking a little bit more in, inwardly on my pace, on how my body's feeling, on my breath, on things like that that will kind of can keep me moving forward, keep me focused, um, uh, but not thinking of the negative feelings. So not thinking about pain necessarily, not thinking about um, if my time is slipping a little bit. Instead, focus on on continuing to move forward and and positive energy
0: yeah i like that and that's that's very similar to what i do and that i typically have just focused on kind of thinking about my form and just not not stressing about it and saying like well i already feel terrible so now i have to feel terrible and focused on running with good form but if i just kind of think about it and i'm aware of it it just kind of i think aside from giving you a mental break as you said it probably also fixes some of the stuff that you start to do this sort of slumping over shuffling thing yeah. that happens at the end of marathons So that's what I do is kind of go, just go inside and, you know, the the stuff I was talking about earlier, like, like of, of calming your mind and all that, like really that, I think I take that to the extreme at the point when, when you start to feel really bad and you just, I just like to think about as little as possible, just think about my body and how it feels and kind of just stay there.
1: Um, And if you can, and if you can think less about the miles that are left. So if you, if you've hit it at 21 and you have five miles left, you know, that might feel like an eternity. So if you think... You don't think about that but think really focus on what you're doing at that very moment uh instead of what you're going to be doing in half an hour uh, then then that helps me a lot because if you're you know if you think to yourself wow i'm going to be out here for another 45 minutes then then that's stressful right yeah if you can think about just moving forward and sticking to a certain effort level at that very moment then it's a lot more manageable
0: yeah i think that's a good point uh what i have done similar to that is without really realizing it i guess is when you're at mile 22 it, it, the four miles left in the race just seems like so long because like ha- they just seem to pass so slowly uh what i have to done is, is just focus on the next mile and just just like it you almost trick yourself into believing that's the end of the race and it's just kind of like get this next little bit and then once you're there it's kind of like, like i just got to get to this next one and, and just take it one at a time and i think what you can probably do and it's, i did this in my first one which where the wheels really fell off uh you just start picking spots and, and like acting like that light post three hundred yards ahead is the end of the race, and it's kind of like just get to there and then focus on the next thing. And I mean, I think for there's going to be a different balance for different people of what is what, what's too much of a chunk to imagine finishing now, uh, and what's too little. Because if it if it was if it was literally every hundred yards, you're saying this is the finish line. Eventually, I think that trick's probably going to stop working, and your body's gonna your brain's gonna know that's not right. Oh well, yeah. But with the mile trick, when there's only three of them or four of them left i don't know something about it i can kind of believe that is a finish line of sorts and like i just got to get there and then i'll
1: deal with the rest after Mm -hmm. that so or a water station or or yeah
0: and then often those are spaced even more frequently than than miles at some point at at the end so if you know something's coming up or or you're going to see family just you know something that that maybe every half mile or so that you can focus on getting to there Uh, i've even done it with my watch i've even tried to like you know if, if it says that i'm at I don't know if it's, if it's, if I'm at 305 and and I'm at mile 23 or 22 or something, I've, I've kind of just thought about, okay, just run until it gets to 310, you know, like just, just pass those five minutes somehow. And then once you do that, pass these next, whatever minutes somehow. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think, and I think you're not going to know which, if you haven't done a race like this before, you're not going to know which of those tricks is going to be right for you, but, uh, maybe just having heard some ideas will help you. And I also like what you said a little bit, Doug, about, about the pain and like, you're not focusing on the pain, but we've talked about this before where, especially in an ultra, but probably in a marathon too, there's, there's a certain skill, I guess, in acknowledging that a pain exists and not, not denying it, not beating yourself up about the fact that you feel tired, not feeling like, okay, it's all my fault because I didn't train well enough or I skipped this long run or I shouldn't have done this, you know, whatever. Like if you add this big story to all this pain and then it, makes you feel guilty and bad and like your race has been a failure that your whole training and your life is a failure that's not good so just just it's fine to acknowledge that something is painful and you can even go there and focus on that pain for a little while yeah but then but then leave it at that and just leave it as as a sensation that's happening in your body and just get rid of all that story around it
1: yeah well i mean you know marathons are supposed to be painful right i mean all races if you're if you're running if you're pushing yourself should should be painful you know obviously obviously not you don't want like a sharp shooting pain that's an injury or something like that but it should be uncomfortable yeah um, that's a great point point. and uh you know so accepting that and just saying okay this is a part of this experience this is part of running a marathon um you know breathe into it and and accept it and move on and keep going
0: yeah that is a very good point that i've never really thought of before so, like, <laughs> i mean if you're trying to run your fastest race part right. of that is pain right you, you could run a Less painful race by just slowing down, but you're that's not what you're trying to do. You're there to run your best time, so uh it's going to hurt. And and I think when I talk about the misery of like miles 16 through 26 of a marathon that has gone badly, so much of that misery for me is that that story that happens in your head of like I wasted this whole training and I did this wrong. And this is all my fault for doing it. and this feeling of somehow feeling guilty for you know going out too fast or whatever it was that messed up the race. I feel like that's that's where the real negativity is. It's not so much that your body hurts because like, yes, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt that badly. It's not like you're getting punched in the stomach over and over. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just a pain that is that is there and it's a discomfort. But uh, that's not what's so bad. What's so bad is is the story and the feeling of right. you know I have to keep enduring this and it's all my fault. You know all that stuff.
1: Is there is there anything fueling wise that you do when you start feeling low on energy?
0: Not. I wouldn't say that there really is. I mean, I my typical marathon pattern has been that I get really tired of sugary things after about mile twenty. But I think, and I haven't really tried to run a marathon since I discovered this. But in my in my hundred miler, I discovered that this if I drank heat instead of Gatorade, which is a different type of sugar in it, I didn't didn't get sick of it. didn't didn't need to suddenly switch to salty foods or just stop having all sugar. So you know that happens, and then I sort of it, sorry it has happened that that I get tired of the gatorade stuff and i've just switched to water because that's kind of all i can tolerate mm-hmm. uh so so yes i do change my feeling in that way but it's, it's never been a deliberate strategy like i'm i'm trying to switch to this i mean in an ultra marathon like we've talked about this when when we start feeling badly a lot of times food can kind of help you feel better just right. if you're able to if you're hungry and you want something it's nice to have a lot of options and have your crew have exactly what you want on hand because even if it doesn't do anything for your performance if it, if it helps your head and helps you feel comfortable and not like quitting anymore Right. then, then that's a good thing. I don't know. do you have anything?
1: Not I mean, not really. If you know, at by mile twenty, if you've hit the well, you, you know anything you're taking in is not gonna have a huge impact on making you feel better. Um, but you know, I, I think the placebo effect is really powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so um, thinking about, okay, I'm feeling crappy now, but if I can just get to the to the water station and have some Gatorade and have some water, maybe maybe walk a little bit of you know not walk a little bit like walk through that water station um if if you have to or something and just be like all right that'll be my opportunity to regroup mm-hmm. um that'll be my chance to kind of take in something and, and then just you know turn it turn things around from there i think that that's really powerful i try to try, try to focus on that and um you know if if energy gels i mean i you know I know that I always bring them up. You don't ever bring them up because <laughs> I don't think you ever take them. I just don't like them. I mean, uh, I but, don't... but I, I mean, I take them all the time, and uh, and you know, I think that that they can help or they they do sure. help, um, uh, and they could also help with the placebo as well. Yeah.
0: What if you had a special snack, Doug, that you didn't didn't break into until you started feeling badly? A little cup of applesauce or something. A little. I mean,
1: if you want to run with a couple of apple, couple of jello applesauce, pudding. Then some jelly pudding. pudding yeah I mean sure why not yeah I don't know if they make vegan puddings but um yeah you can have something,
0: something good that you save, mm-hmm. for the, save for those moments yeah a little treat there you go I like it you heard it here first we invented a new strategy <laughs> save a pack of applesauce <laughs> uh okay so that's that's your slump um uh, one final thing to say about it maybe applies more to ultras but maybe some people's first race is an ultra, so that's that's fine um I mean, don't doubt the power of taking a walk break for who knows, could not just a minute, but, but five, 10 minutes. This is more again, applicable to an ultra, but taking a long walk break, getting some good salty food and you drinking a a Coke or something like something that has tons of sugar that's going to deliver really quickly, uh, or some more natural alternative if you have that, but you can, you can bounce back. I, I kind of learned through marathon training that once you bonk and once things go badly, your day is done, and, and it's just not. It's you blew it. But uh, then I learned with a fifty mile that you can have that experience, you can blow it, and then you can take a break for twenty five minutes, and then you you're brand new again because you yeah. you did the right thing. You took ibuprofen. I'm not necessarily recommending that, but I've done it before and had that help me bounce back. Uh, so you're guaranteeing that ibuprofen will not. <laughs> <laughs> I will also not make that guarantee. Uh, tart cherries, a nice natural alternative to that. Yep. No longer are we sponsored by them so Mm. we can say that actually that's not totally true i think our contract runs through something uh (laughs) september Eh, who knows but whatever take it for what it's worth
1: no but but i think you're right i mean like most people if they're pushing hard doing a marathon uh, within a marathon and they hit the wall um late in the race they're probably not going to come back from it they're probably gonna be in pain and discomfort for the rest of the run right? right um that doesn't mean that you won't hit your goal Right, but you're not going to have a second wind necessarily. Do you, you agree with that? I mean,
0: I would agree with that from our experience. But there are a lot of people who run who you know aim for six-hour marathons, or maybe sure. maybe they're running a trail marathon, and six hours is a good time. So you have actually a way longer time that you're out there, and potentially there is the time for a 25-minute recovery that does. That's, that that's a back. great
1: point. That's a really good point. But um, yes,
0: if you're, but I, I would say if you're trying for a four-hour or faster marathon on a road, and you have a bonk at mile 18 no, no amount of walking is really going to there's just not enough time for you to start feeling better and then you know significantly make up lost
1: time or anything like that right but and, and that was a huge shift when i when i started running ultras and and slower trail marathons mm-hmm. as that you can bounce back from that and, yeah uh, and feel great right
0: which doesn't mean you should aim to do that like the, the point isn't <laughs> isn't go hard and then take a 30 minute rest no but again the even pacing thing is going to probably probably apply there as well but uh, yeah, but just don't don't feel like it's totally over just because you you started feeling bad. You don't have to drop out of the ultra because you started feeling bad, which which was my tendency was to think, okay, I'm probably not going to make it more than five miles, and now probably have to quit. And then you find out that you end up being okay. Okay, uh, so that is that is our slump. Then I guess we're we're now this has become a little bit of a race walkthrough. So now yeah. now we're mile. at the finish. Let's say you're at mile twenty six. You have that one mile left. That one always for some reason passes quickly for me. Once you've got just one left, and then you get the point two. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about point two. I like, oh, <laughs> That's yeah. why it passes. Credit. Okay, now that makes sense. Uh, no, it's just—I don't know. Once you get to th- once right. you have you once start you're mile twenty-six. The yeah, you hear the hear the music a little bit.
1: The, the, the crowd picks up oftentimes.
0: Yes, things just start start going well.
1: And then you you start running more upright because you got to look <laughs> yeah. good for start that finisher hard. photo. You know? so yeah. thinking about whether you're going to jump across or are you going to throw it yeah you gotta
0: plan all that very important selfies or it's a good time for selfies if you're not focused on time
1: great great time (laughs) for selfies
0: uh yeah and then i mean if if you're close to the time i don't so going back to those marathon finish line death things i don't if you don't have a time you're trying to hit i I don't think you need to sprint the last point too because i just it just to me seems like not the best idea
1: well, right. If you don't have a time, you're in him. But if you're going after a time,
0: then yes, then it's probably worth or a PR. It's worth the, like that. the like, minute risk. That you're, of, yes.
1: I mean, Matt, you're like you're you get freaked out <laughs> by did. medical stuff. I don't want to Way die. more than it, you should. And I mean, there's there's millions of people who run marathons every year. <laughs> That's
0: why I said a minute risk. That, and, it, that it's worth it if you have a time goal. It's worth and taking very it. few people. I mean,
1: like you're yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't worry about that, but but if you do die, in <laughs> you listen to my okay. Voice, but then...
0: but even aside from deaths, I don't love the idea of going really slowly and right. hurting yourself, and then because you have a two minute stretch now, you know all out sprinting for two minutes at the end of this, you know six hour day or whatever it was yeah. for you. No, I agree. You know who knows? I so I mean, a lot of things that aren't nearly as bad as dying, uh, like just about anything else in the world, I guess.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: but you could pass out. You could hit your head on the ground when you fall. I mean, who knows? Could
1: I also get annoyed when I'm like in the finisher shoot and someone just sprints past me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is annoying. So don't be that guy.
1: Uh, you know, but if you're going after the if you're like within second, I mean, then, like, like then you're, your BQ time, right? right that's I mean, the reason you're there. Yeah, yeah. so totally.
0: It's, and that's why I said. It's a, it's a completely minute risk. And at that point, it is, I think it is worth the risk to go for your time. It, I mean, it's, to even call it a risk is silly. It's not a risk. It's just... It's just I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. How many people die at the finish line? Don't most people die like mid race? No, they, that's finish line deaths. That's, uh, that's what it is. Because it's people who are tired and then they go all out. And then they stop. And they got all half, top up on caffeine. Maybe you shouldn't stop. Maybe the problem is they're stopping too quick. <laughs> and so you should just keep on running. Keep on, yeah. Turn around and go back. Like that guy. I don't. I wouldn't recommend that either. <laughs> all right. So what's what you do in miles in the point two at the end is up to you. We're not. We're not going on the record of saying anything is best. <laughs> <laughs> that's our stance. All right. Um, I guess. But then you finish, and it's wonderful, right? You put on put a blanket on because it's really easy to get too cold after a mm-hmm. marathon. As soon as you if you stop moving and you've been moving for all this time, especially if it's a hot day, especially if you've been out there for a long time, uh, it's quite easy to have your body cool itself too quickly. So that's why you wear this mylar blanket thing they give you, and you get your medal. Be nice. Say thank you to everybody. Take some bananas. <laughs> I mean, eat stuff, of course, right? It's, you want to just start eating. And drinking water. Yes, water, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, our also official stance on drinking alcohol after a race is don't necessarily do it, but if you're going to, have a, have a little bit of water first. I think in ultra circles, it's make sure you've peed after the race, maybe once, maybe twice, before you start drinking. I don't know if Doug agrees with that.
1: But. I mean... The official stance will be, <laughs> don't do it, I guess. But the unofficial stance is that I always finish a beer. I'm finish a race with a beer if, okay, if there's one good. available. <laughs>
0: We're really going for the edges here with our <laughs> official stances yeah. that are all <laughs> just totally covering our asses and not not yeah. really saying anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, we might get one of those one-star reviews after this episode. We might. Yeah.
0: People might say that old Isle, Isle what's his name? Eel Run.
1: Eel Run. Okay, so
0: that joke is, uh, is that... If you go to our iTunes page, this has haunted us since probably our first episode. I don't know when it came, but there was a one-star review right at, right at the beginning. Uh-huh. And it's just stuck on the iTunes page. It's the first thing anybody sees when they look at our podcast forever. And you can't get those reviews Even though
1: there's you know nearly 500 reviews in almost all of them. And they're all good. They're yeah. great. But
0: I'll run. Old Eel Run, whatever his name is. Eli Run. So if you're listening to this, I'll run. You better go back e- and take it. T- t- <laughs> <laughs> We're nicely asking you to go back and take it.
1: <laughs> No, we're, we're being mean. <laughs> <Right>. Okay. <Anyway. laughs>
0: so that's the end of uh, that's the end of race day, and then and then you got you know it's about you want to eat healthy foods, of course. It, I mean, certainly, if you want to have vegan pizza or whatever type of pizza you eat, go for it. Celebrate your race, but uh, you know the more throughout the day, you want to be eating food, and the healthier that food can be, obviously, the better for how you're going to feel the next day and the day after that. Uh, compression socks are nice. Compression shorts, all that stuff feels really good. I don't know if it actually helps, but it probably does a little bit and uh and that's it and then start thinking about the next race yeah anything else to add thank you thank your people who came to support you of course of right course, you don't yeah. want to be cranky or anything like that even if you didn't have a great race still be nice thank them thank the volunteers mm-hmm. uh that's it
1: that's all I
0: got. that's all we got okay so that is the end then of no athlete what, what's this called camp nma camp no athlete
1: no athlete summer running camp okay
0: but it was camp nma in the song
1: yes uh
0: thank you to salute your shorts and whoever invented that Mm -hmm. uh thank you to me. it's been
1: a great summer matt
0: it has been a good summer it's been a good summer it's been a good camp we got five episodes out of this people seem to enjoy it uh so i think that's it i think we're signing off maybe
1: we'll have to have a cooking camp next year hey that'd be a good idea like it
0: winter cooking camp winter (laughs) even better i like it maybe all right by the way this is this is officially the day this is being released is the first no longer day of summer so it's a fitting time to end this camp and go run a fall race sounds great all right thanks for listening everyone go give us a nice review not like i'll run uh give us a, a good rating and and uh we appreciate it
1: <laughs> yeah thanks for listening everybody and um thanks for joining us at summer camp all right see you at the lake goodbye